Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we discuss the two greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes giving ourselves, what is it, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, Yeah, and other times giving ourselves to wash the terrible taste <laughs> of failure from our mouths. What will happen today? Close we don't enough. know yet. <laughs> There's words in Close there. Close enough. Yeah. Did I get it wrong? I omitted some words, but it's fine. Sometimes, uh, the incantation is incomplete. giving ourselves yeah. the opportunity to watch a terrible taste of failure. There it is. Okay, you there we go. Now, now, now the spell time. has been cast, yeah. and the gates of hell unlock <laughs> with your co-host. Wait, wait we you are, are. We're going to crack open a beer. We're going to discuss a new release film. We're going to then discuss the beer that we drank, and then I we're think, going to uh, do it twice. I think intro privileges have been revoked. Uh, <laughs> We've lost I'm, our mojo. I, 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 what are we going to do to get it back, guys? I mean, this is... I'm Carlos Cooper. With me, as always, Joe Hill is my name and i'm dave gurney there it is we got it tag teamed it okay so Teamwork somehow in there, i think we've laid out the format of the show we've discussed who we are what we do yep. now it's time to get doing it yeah let's let's get doing it um let's get some liquid into our glasses i'm excited about this it's gonna take me a minute because this is one of those wax cap jobbies uh, yes. you know uh you gotta lift your pinky when you drink the beer you do you with do. the film this week uh i feel like there's a, a decent little tie-in because something becomes unearthed um, after being stored for many years, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they sample it, and and it actually um, it brings some inspiration into the lives of those involved. I'm hoping that this beer that I've been sitting on since 2015 brings some inspiration into our lives. It's Folks, another. That's I am. A, I'm cleaning out my closet. Yeah. I swear, and this is part of it Sorry, right here. Mama. It's another <laughs> gurney cellar throwaway. <laughs> well, about throwaway. And the last time we the last time it was a throwaway. Remember the last time it was a throwaway. Yeah, the last time we did this, it was a soy sauce infused stout. Okay, I'm those not adjuncts. Getting, I'm on the nose. I'm not getting as much soy, but we're in similar territory, guys. This is, and many of our listeners will know it just by name alone. This is from Deschutes Brewery out of Bend, Oregon. Mm-hmm. This is the fourth or fifth time we've had them on the podcast. This you, is the fourth. This will be the fourth. Mm, close. Um, and this is their 2015 edition of the Abyss, which is a malt beverage brewed with blackstrap molasses licorice with cherry bark and vanilla added wow. with 21% aged in oak bourbon barrels, 8% aged in oak barrels, and 21% aged in oak wine barrels. They put all that back together in just the right, you know, sort of proportions, and they make this lovely elixir. That potentially that I know fresh out of the bottle it's pretty darn good because okay. I, I had some of this stuff back in 2015 but I had to get myself a couple extra bottles and a great memory this David Gurney has mm-hmm. squirrel them away <laughs> but let, let's get this uh ooh, the ABV that on is it, David? porn you know? dark porn black uh is it on the bottle if not it's dark it's deep it's mysterious this imperial stout has a measurable depth inviting you to explore and discover its rich complex profile yeah at the bottom of the bottle there's a uh uh, a spade, twelve point skinned 2. raccoon. <laughs> That's in my closet with where this was sitting. <laughs> where this came? Oh, okay. Right, right. Twelve point two, David. Oh, there we go. Okay, so so you're not putting us into the stratosphere where we've been before. We've gotten you know beers here north hot. of uh, yeah, it's got fifteen percent. I haven't put my nose in the glass, but I can smell it. But not as much soy sauce, right? Away. No, not yet. I'm, uh, I'm not getting not and on the Carbach, we had it right on the nose. Oh yeah, yeah it we was were, it was straight out. Of smelled the gate. like no, a glass of so, so wax capping, folks. It seems that. to nice at head. least get, get you through that. Uh, Interestingly, you know how phase. the uh, sell by date or enjoy by date mm-hmm. is stamped on. So was the ABV. So they must have a uh, variation yes. on the ABV Each, as this came out back in the day. Actually, uh, this one isn't enjoy by. This is best after. Oh, they want you to age. Oh, saying, what, what was at, the best after date on it? Uh, December eighth, twenty sixteen. Okay, so, so we waited. Telling the, you, we waited the uh, a good amount of time. Yeah, they're we, telling you wait at least until this date. Definitely getting some soy on the nose, but you're right. It's not hitting me over the head like it did with that yeah. Carbach a few I think weeks I'm ago. I'm getting so much booze on the nose that I can't really smell much else. Yeah, the barrel. You get you get some of those. The barrel. Yeah. (laughs) Well, why why would I bring such a dark elixir? And why um, am I making so many music references? I know, right? Uh, What what are we going to be talking about in terms of film this week? Hail Satan. Uh, Yeah, I was summoned to the theater by uh, my co-host to see uh, Studio 666. Yes. It is a new film from the Foo Fighters. 
not a common i guess they did that documentary right what was there, it called i sound? think they've had a couple docs but yeah sound, sound city sound city was, was, was one and then um, i think they might have had another one yeah. yeah so they've i guess they've dabbled in film and you know jack black shows up in some of those early music videos true the learn to fly video him and him and cage uh but first narrative kind of film and it's a horror comedy uh, starring the Foo Fighters themselves, mm-hmm. and the as themselves, as mm-hmm. themselves, and the conceit is very simple. They need to record an album. They go to this old kind of decrepit house in Encino that has a rock and roll past. The band Dream Widow. Well, even before that, though, they try to the bill of goods that she tries to pitch is right. the seventies and eighties, whatever right, thing. Right, but then right. after that, there's some more nefarious rock and roll history. That's right. But they're like, you know what? The drums sound so good in here. Oh yeah, uh, best room sound you can get. Best from, yeah. room sound, and they set up to record their record, and things start getting a little strange when Carrie King is fried into a bratwurst. Little metal bratwurst. Uh, did you did you notice uh, his name, his character's name, Krug? Do you think that's a direct reference? Uh, yes, yeah. because there's a lot of homages to different horror movies. Yeah, oh this. for sure, The Exorcist with Will Forte. Yeah, that shot when he's like approaching the house. We yeah. also, yeah. We don't I know even picked Will up Forte a little John, John Carpenter flavor. In oh the film. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, this is a, and so that's it. That's the premise. I mean, there's more that goes. Not on obviously but that's the right. basic conceit that you need to know um and yeah it's it's clearly a film that loves horror and horror comedy and is um trying to spinal tapify the genre to pay homage to it in a certain that's a way. good way to put it um there, there's at, a lot of jokes at the expense of like bloated rock star ego. Yeah. And, yeah. I, at the end of the day, though, this movie is a dad joke incarnate. Oh, sure. It's yeah. the I daddiest mean, is, joke of a film I've ever seen. It's dad rock. It's dad jokes. It's This is a dad movie. It, well, they find a, a, a book movie. a la Evil Dead. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I mean, the design of the book even is a direct. Oh, God. Yeah. Sure. And uh, David Grohl becomes possessed. And there are spirits that we see throughout the film, like little black little spirits that have right. red glowing eyes, red eyes yeah, yeah. that do some evil work as well. And upon his possession, he then begins, and these spirits begin offing the band members and the neighbor played by Whitney Cummings in a very you know horror film way, one after the other after the other, yeah. each kill trying to be a mix of gore and comedy. Yeah. yeah. And the, the one of the main things I wanted to mention right off the top is, like I said last week, Jenna Ortega is coming uh, for you. I, She's the scream queen now. Yeah, I, I hadn't realized she was going to be in this until I, didn't I saw either. her name pop up in the credits. Well, and she's the first like, person you see. R- right, but I... I just, her face is largely covered yeah. by her hair and stuff. But I, I saw it and right. I was like, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that's Jenna Ortega. Yeah. And then... Yeah, I and, did and, not make and, that connection and when I, had, I saw her... Na- yeah. And we had just seen the X trailer. I don't know if they the X trailer yes, played before, did, but yeah. we, that had just come on. We did Scream 2022 yeah. last week that she's in. She's I our mean, new she Scream queen is right now. the... Yeah. Is it safe to say X coming soon here on Beer in a Movie? Of course. 100%. Okay. There's that, absolutely no question. Uh, you don't think we've, we've already gotten to our horror quotient yeah. before all horror this October? Is that it's been so long since it's Ty a, West has done a movie. I have, oh, no. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely down. I'm joking. But it yeah. is funny but that historically, like, of the 22 fil- 2022 films that we've done, two of the three have been yeah. what was the third? horror. Yeah. Uh, jackass oh yeah (laughs) i think that uh historically you do see a bunch of horror dump in the first quarter of the year yeah you 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 do so remember two years ago when the last film i saw before covid struck invisible man invisible man yeah and i think that if anything besides uncharted had been released we might not have even done studio 666 yeah i don't think the three of us were interested in uncharted very much who the fuck is is My what daughter. I want to know. Really? <laughs> one of them. One of them. Yeah. Because because of the game or because of Tom I Holland? I think because Tom Holland and also he because action adventure. Like it, she's at an age where that kind of seems appealing. The the you know yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so dive into Studio Six Six Six. What y'all think? It's a mixed bag for me. Uh, it is. It's. Um, they set it up so well from the beginning i mean straight out of the gate jenna ortega shows up crazy kill yeah uh 
Pretty brutal kill right yeah. in the opening. Straight from the jump. Exposed bone. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. The cinematography is good. John great Carpenter. Great title sequence. Great title sequence with a John Carpenter theme. Yeah. Or John, Cody Carpenter, and, and, Davies, and uh, Daniel uh, yeah, Davies. Uh, so, I mean, really, that, you can't set yourself up at any better than that. I the don't score think. hits in before the credits roll, and I'm like... God dang, they're really just copying some jo- oh, No, no, no. No, nope. they actually they, hired him. There he is. <laughs> yep, yep. And then later in the film, there he is. With Cody. Right, recording. Is, he's the engineer. He's a recording engineer. Is, it with, is, that, is that his son that was with him? Or I was, think so. I think yeah, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was a cool moment. To, uh, it was a great uh, montage sequence with, with them at the board. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that. I don't think that any. They're not good actors. No. But what's funny, <laughs> what's funniest about it though, is the parts where you kind of, the parts where more acting needs to be done. And the specific sequence that I'm thinking of is when Pat Smear is being grabbed by the demons yeah. and dragged out. And the way he's screaming, I mean, obviously it's over the top, but it's yeah. so, it, it's so perfect for that scene. And it's funny. And he's crushing right there. He's probably my favorite. It, other than. Dave, who is very game, I think, for being a little more over the top with his expressions. They're chewing the scenery. He does. He does. Pat, Pat Pat's does got, it. Pat's no. got like a weird, like, he goes the other way where he's just like very placid, very yeah. flat. Quirky. But, but almost uh, always like they're able to write a good line for him. You know, the writers kind of understand, oh, that's how a line would land there from this kind of dry delivery. Yeah. What I noticed with Pat Smear was that he always seemed on the brink of like cracking up. Like yeah, his I saw that. Expression I saw in his that face was, too. I know I'm supposed to be acting. Well, I know I'm supposed think, to be scared. I've kind of felt that way with Pat Smear throughout the entire Foo Fighters career. That there's be. like a little part of him that's standing on the side, like, I can't believe that I'm what am I doing a here? rock star. <laughs> like, I used to play punk. And, <laughs> I used to be in the fucking germs. I was in the like germs, the, right? Like and, punkest and punk now, band. Yeah, the, now I'm doing LA. this like facsimile version of punk for yeah, uh, dads. But that's cool. Dads. I'm making tons of money. Tons of money. Tons of money. I mean, is there a larger projecting all of this on? Than yeah. Foo Fighters, I mean, is is there? They're probably the biggest rock. They're current big. rock band. Yeah, I mean, other than Coldplay, who get mentioned, who get as mentioned the- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that, like the biggest problem Radio for me thing. is that I there's probably a graph that could be produced of enjoyment of film crossed with level of fandom for Foo Fighters. Yeah, and I just don't have the level of fandom for the Foo Fighters that I'm I'm being amused by we their need you demise. To push it over. Yeah. You know. Uh, I, I like Dave Grohl. I find Dave Grohl interesting in, in videos. I, I, I can sing you probably five or six of the best well-known Foo Fighters songs, mm-hmm. mostly by heart. Can you, you know? do it over a fence, though, to audition fence, to be yeah. on the album? <laughs> that was fun. I mean, she was, she was playing into the, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> she was. Really funny. Uh, and I and I love the slow. Uh, yeah. She's, she's pretty good <laughs> Slow descent. This. beyond. Yeah, uh, she was good. She was good. But... After about, I don't know, 15 minutes or so, I kind of accepted that nobody was really trying to act in this movie, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then after that, it was like, okay, there's some, there's definitely some cool moments. All the kill scenes are good. Um, the the sex kill scene, I thought, was particularly crazy. standout. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever uh, seen that oh. before. It was, they, took, they took Friday the 13th to 11. Right. You yeah. know, this with the arrow well, like just scene. The, the total bisection. That, yeah. That, I and, think then they, that, he, and then he's And then the flop open. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. this movie is 30 minutes too long. Oh, God. Is yes. what it is. I agree. Without I, a doubt. A, a tight hour and a half. This is a. Maybe even hour 20, hour 25. Yeah. This is a just blistering pace, thrill ride, so much fun. But because. <sighs> I hear you. We keep going. My issue is we keep going back to the same things. We keep going back to the Dave can't grill. We keep going back to the, we got to finish the song. We keep going back to these things. And like, like the moment, um, another bit where Pat smears under the van trying to spark the cable. They keep, they cut back to him so many times. And it's like, this is not working for anybody. Like, Someone and the design that of that is to create escalating tension as but the, it doesn't it, it but ends it up boring it, right yeah, yeah. Right. if it's parallel editing if done right 
does create that tension. But yeah. if you if you extend it too long and you don't vary it enough, it feels very. Oh, I'm stuck in a rut. Yeah. When, yeah. when are we going to move? Now, is there a payoff yeah. to him getting run over and his face is his head busting open like a melon? A little bit. That was kind of fun. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, definitely didn't expect it. Uh, I. I th- I thought by that point most of them were going to get out alive. The, yeah. So I, the the solo twist at the end I didn't expect. I guess, um, which I thought was clever. Was clever that, for clever sure. For sure. It, yeah. But that was that was my big that was my big thing. I think you're, you're totally. I'm surprised that we're in such alignment because I came in thinking that you were going to com- be coming out of this film and so upset that you had been wronged by it that you weren't even going to want to record the podcast. I really, I really my prediction shows was up for the beer. Carlos is going to hate this movie and hate that. I, I kind of hated fair, the movie. I'll take Carlos's pre- mantle. That's a fair prediction. Given Interesting. Stance on girl. I mean, well, we're going to, we're going to watch a bunch of movies in 2022 and we've only had three so far as we use the first quarter of the year to really catch up with some of that Oscar stuff in 2021. But I mean, of the three, this is the worst movie I've seen in 2022 by a long distance. And I just, I'm imagining that we might see something worse, but I don't know how we can. You it, go see Uncharted. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think that the film make, well, that, who knows? Who knows what Uncharted is all about? Um, <laughs> although I did see Free Guy. We'll talk about that in After Hours. Um, Patreon.com slash Beer Movie Podcast. Yeah, that one. Where we have a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I, I thought this movie was pretty, pretty deplorable. I mean, it clearly is a fan service thing. It, like I said, if I was a great fan of the Foo Fighters, I would take more glee in seeing them on screen and seeing them being dispatched. Uh, Taylor Hawkins gets his head cut in half. Oh, how with a, awesome a, with a symbol, uh, and, 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 which is great. You're gonna you want him to be killed via a drum kit of some you know in some way. So that's yeah. You know, yeah. predictable, but you know satisfying if you like if you like the kill part of it the kill part of it was what i was looking forward to about halfway through like okay now that we're really ticking these guys off one by one and it's going to be inventive and funny and gory and then then that you know there's some saving stuff there for just horror fans or gore fans or gore hounds yeah but otherwise i thought this movie was pretty much a waste of my time interesting i i uh, this is a film probably the only film that you would really benefit from having a parasocial relationship with the people in it. Because uh, at a certain point I was watching it and I was like, you know what? I bet these guys' friends really love watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I was like, man, if these if these were my friends, I'd probably be like, oh, this is funny that Dave's doing that. Oh, look at Well, Pat, they're fans you know? too, right? I mean, but, it's... But, but that's what I'm saying. But you have parasocial. to like simp like Foo Fighters to really... Because you have to... I don't know if, I don't know yeah, if I'd go that far. I mean, I, I think I enjoy... I think I got the enjoyment out of the sort of satirization of the intraband dynamics that are going on, yeah, and the personalities are putting without really knowing. I mean, I, I obviously I know Dave Grohl, I know who he is, and and I know some Foo Fighters music. I am not a super fan, but I get the joke of over the course of ten albums, a lengthy career, the band's going to have like certain guys who get along, certain ones who don't, ones who are more the um, you know. The leaders, who like Dave, who who's commanding everybody to do things. The others having to fall in line, or if they push, you know. So that that stuff, I didn't, I didn't feel like too much was lost on me. I think the kills are good, but but I think what Carlos said earlier, I think a lot of it just had to do with the screenplay acknowledging that these guys are not going to be incredible performers in terms of delivering comic lines. So don't put as much weight on that as they yeah, did in they this did. film. There's a lot. Yeah, there, there's certainly some sections of the film. Anytime, like, some guests showed up, the Lionel Richie cameo, I think, Great, worked yeah. really well. I guess. I, I mean... I oh, what's your beef with Lionel Richie? you're totally... Uh, hold you're, on. To, to, to jump to the idea that I don't like Lionel Richie, it... No, appe- no, 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 no. The part. I'm not talking about Lionel Richie, whether or not you like I'm just answering him. Carlos's question. No, I did call him out for not liking if you, oh, okay. It okay. seems to me like they said, we need a rock star to do a thing and had they been able to get Paula Abdul instead of Lionel Richie he would have been at the piano singing no false. you know whatever Lion- Lionel Richie is a different kind of artist I think I, I, I think no. I think I think Lionel Richie how does is, it connect to anything outside of because it? here's a famous Lionel, guy Lionel Richie is 
one of the iconic songwriters in pop music. Like it's like getting a Stevie Wonder. It's like yeah. getting a Paul McCartney. It's like a you're putting somebody Paul on. Would have been funny. He was in yeah, and out. All, I, of, all of those would have worked. I appreciated him cursing. That was kind of cute. That was kind of funny. And telling it's, him it's, to have his own song. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> anti what are you doing, the, Dave? the 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 <laughs> image that Lionel Richie puts forth. But yeah. for and I mean, quick first gag. of all, just, yeah, well, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, I I first of all. I don't think Lionel Richie was second pick to Paula Abdul. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. He's I, in a different category. That's what I'm saying. Is I yeah. is he get a rock star for a gag? He we was, can sing any song this rock star sings for the gag. Yeah, we got Lionel Richie. But that, but the, when you're Dave Grohl, it's what you do. Like when you're friends with everybody in music sure. and you're rock and roll's fun uncle, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, yeah, you get Lionel Richie. You know, I he's guess. he's. Uh, you think he's too busy on American Idol to come in for a day? Not even a day. He was probably there for like two hours. Right. Uh, but look, I. Yes, it had pacing issues, but what it did have was a clear reverence for the genre. Agreed. And Agreed. As a horror fan, even though it doesn't hit all its marks, this is a movie that clearly loves and respects horror as a genre and wants to do it justice. Uh, it's a movie that I think is, would be a great party film. Yeah, sure. I agree. Great yes. Party film. Uh, and third, the song that they're writing is rips. bad. It's it bad. fucking rips. And it's so annoying that they can do that and don't like that. They did. Right. I mean, I think, didn't they record th- this? I mean, won't this be released? At I some think point? it will be, but I, yeah. I was, I was looking, I was trying to find it. I think sto- the story was the title, that it, but if COVID hadn't occurred, they wanted to release this when that album dropped that they recorded in that house. house. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they recorded in that house and David, Dave Grohl went on Stern That's and other places yeah. and talked about how there were ghosts in the house, which was all Dave Grohl went back on Stern and said, that was all bullshit. We were setting up the movie that we were going to release, right. yeah. but then we couldn't make the movie because of, of the pandemic. Yeah. See, here's my thing. Bummer. And I know I can already hear your um, rebuttals. Take the Foo Fighters out and cast it with five young guys in a rock, like to play a rock band that mm-hmm. are good actors. Yeah. This film doesn't get made because of the lack of strength of script, the lack of strength of comedy in the script, the lack of strength, I think, of horror in the script as a derivative of now so therefore See, I, I it disagree. is only yeah, a foo fighters movie and i'm not a foo fighters fan enough to say yeah. this scratched any itch that i had i especially after seeing a fantastic scream yeah and then and then the satanists show up the band manager played by jeff garland who i do mm. like in uh, curb your enthusiasm no, curb no matter enthusiasm. what he's got going on in his life Devolves into a ball kicking contest because it's which a dad we joke. saw two weeks ago so much better in, in Jackass. Jackass. Yeah, no, so, but that 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 scene is one of the things that made me say this is a dad joke incarnate. This film, I I so I agree with you that this is a Foo Fighters film and that's why it got made. Like the Foo Fighters have money sure. and they have pull. However, I think this movie is more easily greenlit as a non-Foo Fighters movie, because if you can get actors that can actually act and have comic timing, like cast uh, cast Jenna Ortega as the, in one in the modern-day band with Skylar Gazzondo and, like, any other... Fucking Mason Gooding, who was in uh, Scream, any of this younger crop of yeah. uh, talent. Sure. I know, love the basic uh, concept. I mean, I... I think I, that movie's better than this movie. Yeah. Because the screenplay having been written for the Foo Fighters and the story having been conceived by Dave Grohl, it's written to them, to their strengths. If you cast this movie with other people, you get better jokes in there. You, you know, especially if you're hiring like comic actors like Ben Schwartz or like Sam Richardson who are, you know, killing it in the show they're on right now. But like people that have even Thomas Middleditch that have like, Improv chops that have I did, you know, actually riffing chops, as, you know. As I was watching it, I I remember thinking a couple times, it would have been great if Dave they Franco. if they had uh, you know sort of put some more ringers in there, brought in some more. Like I mean, they already had Jeff Garland, but 
brought in some other people who've done Curb, who've shown that they can do, or Christopher Guest actors. Yeah. Who, if you just put them into scenes with these guys and let them react to them as rock Have stars. Have J.B. Smoove be the neighbor on the other side. Th- there you go, right? Yeah. I mean, like, th- maybe that's too much. But it is funny that we all ca- kind of had that same, it's probably because of Jeff Garland's presence that yeah. we, we were kind of having those thoughts. Because there is, I think, in the best moments, there's a kind of looseness to the way that they behave like as ba- as much as they aren't great actors they clearly do spend a lot of time together and they do have these long standing yeah. relationships sure. and there is this kind of funny you know chemistry between them that i don't think they have to try to have and yeah. i think if you had thrown some like the scenes where like a whitney cummings or a jeff garland is also there to play with them and mm-hmm. play off of them mm-hmm. i think those are some of the better ones yeah when it's just left to them it does lose a little bit of of the momentum you know i'm never gonna make a. am i came into this room thinking i don't want to be somebody making a strong case for this film because i think this film at best is a worthwhile diversion um novelty for, for me that's kind of where where it sits i do think that the basic premise of it is pretty funny and i would not be sad at all if there was a sequel to it that went in the direction of what carlos is talking about where you either layer into it other bands mm-hmm. or fake bands mm-hmm. or you know whatever oh. I, li- I like the idea of like the haunted recording su- location yeah. that you know brings the Foo Fighters all got killed here but that won't happen to us yeah exactly right. well and that was one well, of the this things where Dave launched his solo career right. he yeah. would never <laughs> uh, that was one of the things I liked about the movie is that there's a very intentional ignoring of red flags oh, yeah. throughout which yeah. is funny because yeah. yeah. that again yeah. is like satirizing the horror genre and also my last point about this film working without the Foo Fighters is that as long as that's the song that yeah. they're working on the whole time, it still works. <laughs> like that song rips. I, I imagine <laughs> that there was a um, meeting where the Foo's ability to act was determined and Dave Grohl came out as number one. And number two, who I thought did a really like a really good job with the part he was given. I don't even know what instrument he plays, but the one that has sex yeah, he's Rami. A player. Okay, Rami. Rami. Uh, he he embraced. The one, the one oh, he fucks. He embraced and yeah. he executed as good as he could, and it it did make me laugh. I wasn't even a hundred percent sure that he was one of the regular band members. I thought he was a ringer. They brought and, in an the, actor, and then when I, I looked, okay, no, it's the guy who used to be in the Wallflowers, who's now in Therapy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I will say though. I couldn't wrap my brain around it, but there was audible laughter in the theater <laughs> at some of the like really, really dad joke stuff. Like, oh yeah, uh, well, and I mean, you, and I was like, I don't think that wasn't funny, but I'm glad you guys are having a good time. I saw know? it Friday like, the day it opened. There were five men all alone scattered throughout the theater. I was like, this looks like a porno theater. Uh, <laughs> situation five weird on. guys sitting five by themselves guys. and then me not weird at all not yeah. weird at all <laughs> uh, well i went on i good went party on a movie saturday then. and it was co-ed so j- just you know men do at least drag their uh significant others to to the film uh apparently I imagine foo fighters has some female fans yeah but i bet their audience skews pretty heavily male mm-hmm. it's you know there's, mm-hmm. there's some mix but uh, you know the the only other thing the movie was ever long, though, Carlos. I agree. It was. <laughs> it was ever long. Yeah. The, you know, I think not something I'm going to say people need to go out and see. But no. if you had an interest, I think it it is entertaining enough. I think the concept is pretty funny. I do think the music is, is better than uh, I had even anticipated going into it. And that's, a, and that's a thing, like, you know, again, with Joe talking about this not being a Foo Fighters movie and would it get made and would it be good or whatever. Where these movies go wrong, and the reason that the ones that succeed succeed is the it's all hinged on the music. Like if the fake if you have a fake band yeah. and they're playing music that was clearly phoned in just for the film mm-hmm. for a plot thing, insert or song whatever, here. Then it's like all right, fine. But if you're watching that thing you do and the wonders start playing that thing you do, that's a fucking good song, you mm-hmm. know, like. Uh, and the, because the song they're working on rips, I think it helps the film and its uh, legitimacy, and it, it helps helps you. It's nice when some of the kind of dull drums are broken up by doom metal, <laughs> like stoner rock doom metal stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, 
you know, that's probably how Sleep wrote Dope Smoker was in a haunted house, you know. You would hope. An hour-long song trying to summon the devil. <laughs> in this case, probably trying to summon more weed. And, and yeah, I was going to say, probably summon uh, their dealer. More, more likely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think, I think if you're hanging out with some buddies, uh, drinking some beers, and want to throw something kind of fun on, you, you know, put the, it on, t- catch, catch it, you know. Yeah. Jump in and out of it. Yeah. See oh, the kills. If you're a horror fan and you see this streaming on a service that you're already paying for, watch it. Yeah. You got to check it off your list. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's where it stands for me, too. Um, and we'll see. Like, I genuinely do feel like this is something that could could spawn other films in the future and th- that I may even like more than this one, which is kind of an interesting... I, I think this is a worthwhile enough concept that I hope somebody else decides to explore it someday. I think that you'll see more of that as you begin to see artists trying to brand diverse and take over multiple things in media. Sure. Then you're going to begin seeing probably the Foo Fighters may have opened the door here for other musicians to make the, you know. Sure. Justin Bieber. Uh, I was going to say, I was going to say we should be wary of who enters, who opens that door, who walks through that door. (laughs) You know what? If it's a quality film at the end of the day, I'd go see any. I don't need to see this. I don't need to see the Ed Sheeran version of this. Uh, (laughs) Though he was actually. No, Ed Sheeran would be in a romantic comedy. Oh, I forgot he was in yesterday. I just think of how he ruined Game of Thrones, but it's neither here nor there. Did age ruin this beer? Not to the extent that it did the uh, the Carbach, the um, blanking on the name of that one. Hellfighter. Uh, thank you. Bourbon Barrel Hellfighter with, with vanilla. That was not good at all. This one I found palatable. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It, was, it, yeah. just, it, yeah. it had gone past where this one I don't think is an improved beer, but um, for as boozy as it is on the nose, it is not as hot to drink as I would think it would end up being. I do think there is a little bit of oxidation yeah. that's gone on, but not to the extent. It's not drinking soy sauce. Um, it's still a stout to me. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't call this a, a an aging win, but I think this is one where I could understand the value in this and it might inspire me to create something great it's if what? I were to drink this. The, the freakiest of beer freaks are probably looking at their own favorite special website where other people that have cellared an abyss or a hellfighter mm-hmm. say, okay, it's t- drink it now, drink it now, you know, drink it a month ago. Cause I'm drinking one now and I'm starting to get that yeah. flavor of oxidization. If you have one, it is time. Yeah. Uh, of course, assuming that all storage methods are being Variables followed are by same. everybody. Um, David, I know you well enough to know that once you buy one of these beers that you intend on selling, you're going to give it the, dis- the respect that it deserves and not put it in anywhere too hot and other things that are going to amplify uh, a, a poor condition of an aged beer. But I always appreciate it when you bring these. The soy sauce is there for me, a tiny taste. As you guys have said, it's not ruining it for me. That 12.2 is drinking really, really nice. And some of those ingredients that you listed uh, when you were reading the label, yeah. you can see that there was a com- is a complexity here that I am actually enjoying. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's it's fine. Um it's not my favorite yeah. at this at this point in its life. Uh, I don't know that I would, you know, if I had another bottle, I don't know that I, I would be racing to crack it open next time. No, but you also wouldn't want to hold on, on to it much longer. No. You, it's, it's a, you know, conundrum. You it is, it is. But, uh, but it is certainly not as bad as the Hellfighter was. No. Uh, and it's very, very drinkable and is complex in a certain way that is does make it interesting to drink uh how enjoyable is you know kind of varies but um overall a decent experiment just like studio 666 yeah i guess we're kind of in that that the first half is really just about like okay this was good enough to get us by finding the good in things you know uh a very uh, glass half full type of first half of the episode i would say (laughs) for yeah uncharacteristically from me uh but I, you know, when it comes to the Foo Fighters in the beginning of their film career, I mean, they're probably just learning to fly. Yeah. Oh, shit. Sometimes you wonder if they're the pretender. Uh, <laughs> David, your turn. 
<laughs> I got nothing. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I, 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 I think we did get the best of them. Oh. Okay. God. Look at you. All mm. right. Well, well done. I, I mean, at the end of the day, Dave Grohl really is my hero. Okay, listen. We're up against a record store owner, so <laughs> yeah, I'm going well, gonna, gonna to seed. I'm going to throw a monkey wrench in this oh, thing. Oh, And... <laughs> Get us into our break here so yes. that we can come back for the second half where we will wash this terrible taste of Foo Fighters from our mouth. theme of this episode continues with a you know some, maybe wolves and people farmhouse and brewery will ha- be, become a member of the five timers club five time club here on the show but this is the first time we've ever had them they're out of Newburgh, oregon and we're going to be drinking i picked this up at that uh, premium draft house in houston on my recent trip el verso Hazy Farmhouse India Pale Ale. And you were saying, Carlos, that you've enjoyed one of these before, but on the show, I don't think we've done a Farmhouse IPA. And I don't even know for sure if I did or not. It's hard to say. <laughs> El Verso, the song, is an ongoing ode showcasing our homeland, Oregon's Willamette Valley, brewed with select pale and wheat malts, juicy local white nectarines, raw raspberry and blackberry honeys, Rosy Pinot Noir grape juice from our friends down the road at Argyle Winery, a beguiling mixed culture of yeast and bacteria. We're going to get that farmhouse ale that we like so much, but they're going to make an IPA out of it. So we'll crack this open and get it into our glasses. We'll talk about it at the end of the segment as we discuss a film that I'd never even heard before, heard of before. Well, this is definitely one of those beers that it sounds like there's a lot that's been thrown at it here, um, you know, b- both in terms of the uh, the culture and the ingredients and, and all of that. I'm excited to try it. Thank you for bringing it, Joe. My pleasure. Um, we're going to be pairing it with a film that's really got a lot of ingredients thrown into it um, that I had heard about for many, many years as a cult classic of sorts, or at least an underground favorite of, of a certain kind of... Uh, film lover, that um, I had meant to tick off my list, but I had just not gotten around to. So so when we talked about doing Studio 666, I thought, well, come on, there is this other... We've already done horror, Spinal Tap. We, we, we've done Repo, mm-hmm. the genetic opera, yeah. which would be another kind of horror-themed musical comedy yeah. of sorts. Um, but And I don't know why it didn't even occur to me then, because I think we were talking more musicals. But this, I think, finally, where I'm like, okay, it's like a horror musical comedy... This would be a great time to maybe suggest that we do Phantom of the Paradise, the 1974 Brian De Palma film. Our first entry into Brian De Palma, by the way. Paul Williams and <laughs> William Finley. Really? Yeah, yeah that's true, right? We have not done De Palma on, on uh, beer in a movie. Well, he's his output has definitely slowed. His last film was 2012, I think, at this point. Or maybe he had... Actually, maybe he had something that was direct-to-video here more recently. Um but yeah, he's definitely slowed down. He's still with us, but but slowed down in his output. Um, but, you know, mo- most folks, I think, listening to the podcast will have at least seen some of his classic films like Carrie, Sisters. Uh, Untouchables. Untouchables. Scarface. Mission Impossible. Scarface, Scarface right. Um, you know, an incredibly successful and prolific director of the... Well, late 60s, right up through the 2000s, early 2000s, kind of where things started tapering off. Uh, But this is an interesting early entry in his career before he had really fully transitioned into being a filmmaker who was a little bit more associated with either these quirky, Hitchcocky and suspense thriller kind of films or well, those like body bigger double, budget. Yeah, body Ray, double, dress to kill, uh, blowout, yeah. Um and and then those bigger tentpole films like the Mission Impossibles and the Untouchables that he, that he was able to kind of break through the hu- much bigger audiences, but this is a weird kind of uh, amalgamation of things, right? Based loosely on the Phantom of the Opera mm-hmm. novel, right? This is before the is it Andrew Lloyd Webber who yeah. did the music, right? So this is before the stage musical was really a thing, but this mm, is you know w- the the novel, and there had been film adaptations long before before Jerry this. Butler. Right. Uh, we, we had, um, you know, this 
basic premise of struggling songwriter, played by William Finley, who's kind of an odd actor himself, who worked a lot with the Palma yeah. early in his career, um, but but didn't really kind of have quite the same success level go- going forward, um, playing the struggling songwriter who is trying to get his music heard. Paul Williams, who our listeners may remember from when we reviewed Smokey and the Bandit. He plays Little Enos <laughs> uh, in, in Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> but also prolific songwriter in his own right. Writer of Rainbow Connection, which, you know, hats off to writing one of the great pop songs of, of all time for the Muppets uh, yeah. in, in one of their early films. Um, and also just, you know, done lots of work over his career. M- much, uh, I think, uh, brought, brought into whatever contemporary attention that he has probably by that Daft Punk track from Random Access Memories where they kind of give him some love. But Paul Williams playing Swan, this record executive, this producer, this owner of his own label, mm-hmm. um, who can make and break stars, who seems to use women up like they are. He loves to orgy. He do he does love to orgy. There's a, there's a pre-orgy scene. We don't quite see the full-on orgy, but we, we definitely get some indication of what goes on. I think that was a wise choice by the filmmakers to not show us the full-on <laughs> orgy starring I him. think so, yeah. yeah. Although it was 74. This would have been ripe for, uh, let, let's see how far we can go with this. Yeah. Um, clear this guy fucks, though. Clearly he does. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the struggling songwriter, the, the song is good, but they don't want to deal with him. So Swan kind of discards him picks up the song, which is literally a song, right? This long cantata. He's very insistent uh, that it Based needs on to be Faust. one piece, right? It is telling the story of Faust. So um, Leech, that songwriter character, is distraught, thrown out of, you know, Swan's mansion, framed for being a drug pusher. Right. Um, goes off to prison, ends up in a ends up in a horrible, disfiguring record press accident. <laughs> and no uh, record press goes sideways like that. Though. No, no, they do. But you have to do it in order to get yeah. ahead in there nicely and get the shot right. <laughs> um, I think it was some me. sort of toy plant, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. And then uh, th- you know that that puts him into. He goes and retreats to the paradise where he haunts the paradise essentially as the phantom for like wearing a mask 10 minutes. for like ten minutes. <laughs> But it's crazy. Uh, yeah, no, it go, a lot goes on from there. Um, so I, it's it's a tough film to fully summarize in yeah. in, a, in a short way. Guy but, gets ripped off, haunts a place. Yes, guy gets ripped off, haunts a place for a while, but then actually strikes a partnership and signs his life away. <laughs> in blood. Yes. Jessica indeed. Harper, is that her name? From, yes. From uh, Suspiria is here. Yeah, that's uh, right. Love to see her. Introducing, actually, is how she's credited. Yeah, um, this probably was her first big Wow. Uh, yeah. David, you're responsible for this? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. Wild movie. Never seen anything really like it. Wild movie. Par- <laughs> party movie. Yes. You could put this on and people would go, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Watching well, this with Jess Kylie and I was not great. Uh, but I imagine that if there's like a bunch of people in the room and you're doing like a laugh tracks type of vibe, you know, where everyone's just like, what the fuck? You know, making jokes about what's happening yeah. on screen. That it can this be film came fun, out a but... year, I learned, a year before Rocky Horror Picture Show, okay. which mm-hmm. is very similar to in, yeah. in, in convention. Uh-huh. Uh, the rock... I definitely thought well, about that the whole time. That era, right? Tommy was the thing mm-hmm. right around now. I mean, sure this, is, this is the rock opera moment or the the first rock i mean i guess people have done them since but this was like as they were kind of emerging and like is this a viable thing do people like that does this get youth interested in musicals and if we combine it with elements of horror and we combine it with elements will this kind of work i mean the the thing to me even though this is a bit before it that this kind of points the way to are things like xanadu and the apple which get that kind of very strange mix of different elements. The whiz. The, the whiz, to a certain extent, I think would fit in Not there. Not rock, but pop. Yeah. You know. I mean, I I, I, I kind of love this film. I mean, it, it is so I out there and strange. And I, I mean, it's I had a sense. It's almost like he's um, required to, to fit the whole gurniness of it all. Yeah. I, I, the I, gurniness of it all. Yeah, I didn't know who would like or dislike the film, but David liking it is not really a big surprise. Did you like the music in it? Most of it, yes. You and did I think enjoy the and music. And some of the stuff that I didn't like, 
I think I was supposed to not like. So that I, I yes, I think the the, the juicy fruits. Worked. We didn't even mention the juicy fruits. What or a the good beach na- bums. What a good name for a band, Juicy Fruits. That's yeah, right. They, they, they tapped like into that nostalgia craze. Sha na na type yes. of situation. You know right. that kind of shit. When did Greece come out? Year seventy uh, six. That, that was late seventies. Okay. But it but it was preceded by it was a stage right. production. Yeah. I don't know when that started. Right. Yeah. Um, problematic upon viewing this stuff was in the air I mean like the the idea like and remember American Graffiti was right around this this you know this was like this moment where these guys De Palma uh, Lucas Lucas, you know Spielberg they had grown up in the 50s that was their teenage years they were reflecting back as guys who were getting closer to their middle age on that sort of the sounds of their youth and the stuff that was coming now that was in. And so I think in some ways De Palma's working through some of that probably with, with this and, and thinking about what the music industry has become. It's and like what, two years before Carrie kind of launched him into a different phase in his career, sure, which was much yeah. more, you know, like blockbuster oriented. Yeah, right, right. Uh, so, the you know, this is our first De Palma entry into the beer and a movie canon. Um, and as, you know, I just got back from San Francisco. And so while I was walking down hate Ashbury or hate street in the hate Ashbury area, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine who said something about Tom Cruise. And so naturally I was like, fuck Tom Cruise. And he was like, fuck Tom Cruise. What's wrong with you? And so we got into this whole debate uh, about Tom Cruise at, at which point he cites De Palma as like a character witness for Tom Cruise, but like not for agreeing to do mission impossible for just like, like all, all these great directors worked with Tom Cruise, Spielberg, and I was like, I'm out on him. And and, he, and then he said a few others, and then yeah. he said De Palma. And I was like, well, I'm out on De Palma, too. I'm th- That's what I'm getting to. I have never been less interested in a filmmaker, I think, than I am in Brian De Palma. What have you seen of his, though? This and Scarface. Oh, that's <laughs> And sad. they both... Oh, well, I've seen Mission Impossible, too. You need to see some of the other stuff. Uh, Especially the more Hitchcockian stuff. There's nothing think- about his vibe... From what I have seen of his work, that interests me in any way, and I don't find him to also be that great, that interesting, or good. I mean, especially in this movie, this movie is unhinged from a visual well, it's, perspective. It's paced terribly. Well, it's, uh, it's got the exact opposite problem that Studio Six 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 had, where it just blows through everything. Like I said earlier, this guy—it's called Phantom of the Paradise, suggesting to us, the audience, that we are going to watch a movie where a phantom ha- haunts the paradise. Yeah, which happens for all of ten minutes. Yeah, but it happens again because he's locked up in that chamber. Even once he's made the deal with Swan, and then to but the you rest can't of haunt the people- a thing if everyone's seen you. And everyone knows exactly well, who you are. The, to be a phantom I mean, requires you, some mystique, some kind well, of... Well, they see you in the mask. I mean, there's oh, a mystique yeah. to that. No, there's not. I don't know. He I, takes the mask off! <laughs> eventually. Should. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just... They spend a... I don't think it... One thing I didn't get to mention about Studio 666 was one of the things that I was... Uh, that I liked and kind of got me into like a positive mindset when the film started is how quick we went from the boardroom to the house. They didn't waste any time setting up the premise of the film. You know, they were like, okay, everybody coming to this knows what's going to happen. We're going to have a five minute scene in the boardroom where they're arguing. We're going to attempt some jokes and then we're going to get them to the house. This movie did the opposite of that where they're like, we are going to take a long well on this guy. And, also get nothing out of it in the process except beating you over the head with the fact that he's a struggling yada yada. And I I don't know. I just, we could have gotten in and out of that setup so quickly. The first act could have been much tighter. We could have had a longer haunting period. It's just, it was so hard for me to invest in anybody in this movie because no one seemed to like, all the motivations and the character stuff seemed very surface level. I feel like I needed that extended if we're going to think of it as the first act, the exposition there to get to the point where he, you know, becomes disfigured and whatnot for me to care about the character. Once the mask is on, it's hard to, you know, like, okay, what am I relating to? But I knew who was beneath that. And so that's what, and I think Finley does a good job. I actually like him. His his I, performance is, is the best. He's a weird presence. It's a film. weird freaking song that he's working on. The lyrics are really kind of, 
confusing in a weird, weird way. But as I kept hearing them repeated, as they did it in different times, I kept I was reading slightly different things into it, which is where I go with. The, I think actually the music is pretty damn good in this film. I think that th- these are. I mean, it's all written by Paul Williams, yeah. by the way. So like, you know, I think there is something going on where he was tapping into this kind of. I mean, I guess I would, for lack of a better term, this kind of art rock tangent that some people were going off on in the 70s. And I think that's, you know, kind of affiliated with Prague that I think that that's yeah, what Finley was supposed Yes, was to. happening around this time. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. This is, yeah, this is deep in the prog rock era. Yeah. Bands like Rush and stuff, doing these like big concept records and this it's idea. It's got to be 2112 times 2112. There you go. <laughs> Other movie, but. Right. Multiple suites yeah. instead of like just, you know, separate songs, you know. The, so I think it was tapping into some of that. Um, I, you know, that stuff paid off for me. The wildness of the, the space itself. I think where where I see, and I would make the case for De Palma as being a filmmaker worthy of the praise that he gets, worthy of the attention that he's gotten over his career, is the guy has a very unique eye. I mean, you see some of the shots in this film and the way they're set up. I mean, he's kind of known for going for those somewhat strange angles, framing things in sort of canted ways. Use of color. Putting them lower, uh, you know, like giving us like this kind of lower angle Mm -hmm. than we're used to in a lot of things. Yes, bold use of color, right? The red that's used Mm -hmm. in the hallways Mm -hmm. there and some of the... Uh, so, there's a Hitchcock, a Hitchcock homage, and with the Psycho, the shower scene. Oh, absolutely, for sure. <clears throat> so you see hints of what Brian De Palma will become and what he'll become known for. I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, and, and David, I, I feel, especially in our recent Bammies episode, where you and I overlap so much often. I, this movie was a mess, and yeah. I immediately went to the internet to find out, you know, the cult is the cultism of it. The what's the value in it that I'm not seeing on first viewing? And there's a lot of praise for this film. A lot of it's so weird. There's it's so weird that you'll never see anything like it again. And I agree with that. That's a fantastic sentence. But the weirdness is not anything. I, I don't I don't think compelling. I kept thinking of Toxic Avenger when I saw this. Interesting. Like the low budgetness. Although God, there was some it's budget not really in this that film. Low budget. There was a, some a lot of production yeah. value in the concert scenes specifically. Sure. Um, but the you can't get beef on screen for no money. <laughs> the hokey acting. Now that all. was that was Rocky. I mean, yeah. they took that from Rocky Horror. Oh, Rocky Horror didn't exist. No, it did. The movie didn't exist. The, the oh. play. Okay. The play, I think, existed, okay. right? Because that's what you were talking about was yeah. Rocky Horror Picture Show came he out He was the next saying year. that, yeah. yeah. But beef is Rocky. I mean, the costuming and everything is exactly like mm-hmm. Rocky in the sh- stage production. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I don't know. I didn't enjoy, I didn't like the music. Uh, it, 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 I felt this was a big waste of time. Huh. <laughs> well, geez, I I I feel like I owe but, you hey, an no, apology. No, you have to. You for, have uh, to. No, no, no. This you whole weekend to. seems to have been, or this I whole know. week's episode seems to have been a waste of Big time. Waste for you. of time. For uh, well, no, you check two movies off your list. I enjoy going to the movies. I mean, I'd rather go to a bad. Well, let me think about that sentence. I'd rather go to a bad <laughs> movie than not go to a movie at all. Yeah. So I will say. I can't say a bad word about Nick Cage, so I'll give De Palma a pass on Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes, yeah. Um, you should see it. And I, I've seen it. Oh, okay. You uh, didn't list it earlier. I didn't realize it was him. Oh, right. I didn't see it because it was a Brian right, De Palma. I was right. like, oh, mm-hmm. Nick Cage, fuck it. Like, you know. Uh, and I thought The Black Dahlia was good. I liked that movie. Also didn't realize that was a De Palma film. Yeah, I think uh, if you, I, honestly, I think, I think if you went through and watched the man most has of his films. four upcoming projects. Wow, that's at, surprising. 80? Is he 82? I think 80, 81, something like that. He was, yeah, he was born September 11th, ooh, 1940. Okay. So he's so 81 yeah, right now. He's going on 82 this year, yeah. That's crazy. That's a that's a, that's a lot of projects for an 80-something-year-old. I guess he's trying to follow in, well, although Clint Eastwood is way, anyway. We're, we're not going to get into that. Well, I'm just saying, that's there's a whole few, other few filmmakers who've maintained real pr- productivity into their uh, 80s and 90s. I just heard a can crack. Wow, we got a rogue beer coming we out do. here. Ooh, wow. So, should, should we say something about this one or wait until the end of the... I'm down. I, I didn't like it, that's why I... Oh, really? I, it's a little funky for me. I mean, it is farmhouse. Yeah. I think, you know, truth and advertising there... Um, I'm, I'm definitely getting the farmhouse. I think 
There's not a lot of bold flavor in this beer. It's very thin, and you can tell that it's a farmhouse. It has all that yeast signature hmm. that you expect in a you know one of the farmhouse beers that that we like, but not much more than that. Uh, it is hazy in appearance, but I'm not thinking it's hazy IPA at all yeah. while no, I'm drinking I, this. I like it better than you guys. I think. I mean, it, it's definitely a farmhouse. I think that the those fruit notes are in there does make it seem almost a little tropical. It's weird because it it doesn't quite have the same kind of malt presence that a typical IPA. That's does. what it is. Yeah, and. Nor the you know, but but in terms of like hazy IPA hot profile, it's not all that far away. It's an interesting take. I it is, I'm not it is disappointed. Certainly. I'm not disappointed. I I don't uh, wish that I hadn't had it or anything, but I don't know if it's one I would return to. Yeah. So what I've opened now is a collaboration between Duclaw Brewing, Squatty Potty. And the Colon Cancer Foundation. Squatty Potty, the uh, manufacturer of footrests so that you can squat while you take a dump? Yeah. Wonderful. The beer is called Give a Shit. Ha! It's a fruited sour ale with blueberry, black currant, vanilla bean, and lactose. 20% and 40%. African Americans have 20% higher than average incidence rates and 40% higher death rates for... Uh, colorectal cancer which i guess is colon cancer buying this beer helps the colon cancer foundation get more screening kits directly to those in need they're duclaw brewings out of baltimore uh, maryland by the way and on the side of the can it says wow we really we can really tell that you give a crap so i guess it's called give a crap uh by picking up this can first you'll enjoy the sweet sour ale with notes of blueberry and vanilla and second critical dollars will be donated to fight colon cancer you're crushing it cancer and this beer obvi Brought to you by the Colon Cancer Foundation, Duclaw Brewing Company, and Squatty Potty. Oh, crap. We ran out of space. Scan here for more. There's a QR code on the side. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Carlos. Um, yeah. This can is coming to you courtesy of Lucy's Snack Bar oh. in great downtown Corpus Christi. Well, thank you, Lucy's. I'm looking forward to trying this out here. You can um, smell it. Well, you the know. Crap, to, I mean. To, to, <laughs> to come back to, to the film here at hand, um... I'm not totally shocked that uh, that Joe was put off by it and that Carlos, you seem to be falling a little bit more in kind of a middle region of where you can see there's some value, but... Uh, I just, it, it is the epitome of a party movie to me. I really can imagine this being a super fun movie with a group of people when there's like a kind of communal what the fuck is happening kind yeah. of vibe going on. I feel like that group would be laughing at it, not with it. That's fine. Well, I think it wants laughter though. Are you laughing at it if it's trying to get you to laugh? I'm saying you're laughing at how horrible it is. Like you're, it's, it's an irony, but it's not, but Potentially, it's not taking itself seriously. I think that I, I think that that is fine. Mm. I think that it is clearly a very absurd film. And I think that I think it's incredibly campy. Yeah, I think it is very trying campy. to be over the top. Look at the costumes. Look at the sets. Look at what they're doing with these elaborate productions. The idea of opening this. What, what is the paradise, by the way? It's Who like the a, fuck per, knows? a perma venue that, like, this label the greatest owns rock, that they can the always have this like incredible stage show going on. Like, yeah. when has that ever existed? Never. When did, no, it does. I mean, the closest thing would be like Vegas shows, I guess, in a way. Yeah. But that was never cool. That was no. always you know so. I mean, it's an absurdity. It's it it's creating this idea as if rock was opera, and you just had these permanent spaces where an ongoing show was happening, and they, like it's positing another reality for us. That if you're willing to go with it, I think it is goofy and zany, and it has a bit of satirical commentary on the music industry and rock stardom. It is again. His song is based around Faust. There's a big Faust element here. This idea of you know making that bargain with the devil. Yeah. What do you get for it? Why, what price? And fame? apparently, uh, in this reality, selling your soul is a, mul a multi-level marketing scheme. It is. You just <laughs> you get more souls Which behind is, you uh, and you pack them in. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you can recruit three souls, mm -hmm. then you'll start getting all of the. You'll start getting a percentage of all the souls that they recruit. The kickback. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. it just it goes all the way to the top. Yeah. How many souls to orgy level? Because that's I'm interested. After seeing I what mean, I, saw. I think I think it depends on your region mm. and the corporate structure of your specific uh, 
part of the country. I think it varies a little bit. It um, was interesting to see the use of the F word related to homosexuality and the... Um, what was it, 70s? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, the, there was a Scatter Night Live sketch this week where they were going back and looking at old 80s television and then coming back to present time. It was the 80s. It was the 80s. You could say and do things differently then. Yeah. And they do that here, the um, blatant... And this is part of the commentary, I think, the blatant sexualization of the women who are there and have to put out if they're going to sing or audition. Yeah. It's like no, it's like no audition I've ever been to. I think one of the characters says at one point. Yeah, uh, which just means they hadn't been to many auditions. In I mean, <laughs> which just meant that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's it, so I don't know. I think I get why it is a cult classic, and I think for me it will be a cult classic. It's one that. I would be excited if the Alamo did a screening of this. It's, this feels like a film that would be and a see, lot of fun to see with a big audience, yeah. with the music pumped up loud, with people really getting a kick out of intentionally laughing at ridiculous stage antics like we were seeing with the Beach Bums and the... Um, Beef. The, what was the first one? The Juicy Fruits. The Juicy Fruits, Beef. You know, like these ridiculously named acts that are actually kind of, you know... I mean, we have a meatloaf, we have a Beach Boys, we have a, uh, yeah. you know, uh, 1910 bubble, fruit, fruit gum company. Fruit, fruit, fruit yeah, gum I mean, company yeah. Like, we have bands with these kind of names. It's, yeah. not, it's ridiculous, and yet these are... <laughs> so, they I don't exist. Know. I think this is fun. This, this is a lot of fun. I think if you go in with the right attitude, um, you could really enjoy it. It obviously did not become a template for De Palma and what he did after, or any of these people involved with it. I yeah, because it was Obsession the next year and then Carrie the year after right. that. I so. mean, this was a moment. This was, like I said, early 70s. I think there was this feeling like maybe rock operas are going to be a thing. Maybe we're going to be seeing lots of these films. I don't think it quite panned out um, for multiple reasons, but I think as a fun, like, in you know just let, let your brain go a little bit and and see this zany thing that's going to surprise you every time a new twist comes along yeah this this is going to do that for you so i think if you go in with the right expectations you're really going to enjoy this film i'll let you have that final word All right. I, context is key in this case i feel there's a time and a place for this film sitting at home by yourself unless you're a maniac might not be the ideal time and place. Right. Uh, if, you know, maybe uh, James McAvoy from Split would have a great time watching <laughs> it, having conversations with uh, all the different people locked up in there. But uh, and by in there, I mean his head. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I, I I I would go see it at Alamo. Yeah. Despite being kind of lukewarm on it, Sunday afternoon don't have anything to do. Yeah. Fuck it. Why not? I'll go. Yeah. You know, it'd be fun. One of those movie parties, right? There, a movie there, party. There yeah. would Props. definitely be some things you could tie in, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it is like, props. I feel like you could do this you could throw very much like you do screen. Rocky Horror. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you could, people could dress as these characters. If but they you wanted. could sing along with every song at Rocky Horror because you know and appreciate the music here. I don't think so. You know what? I don't give a crap about this movie. <laughs> How do we feel about the, the rogue beer? I think it's good. Yeah, it's real I, sweet. I, I think I think it's tasty. Lots um, of blueberry. I think it's very very flavorful. Very flavorful. What was the ABV? Did you read it earlier? Six point two. Yeah, I, this is a refreshing six point two. I like this beer a lot. Got a jam. Pretty good. Sour ale with plenty of fruit. The currant and the blueberry for sure. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a very tasty beer, and I love a good beer based kind of. Charity, I hate that word. That's not the word. I'm not using it correctly, but fundraising. <clears throat> when you see a brewer and a good cause doing something for that good cause, I, that brewery always gets big points with me. Of course, you know, Black is Beautiful in the last few years really kind of waved that flag so well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, you know, you don't have to. You could just keep all that money. You when could. you make a beer this good, you could. You know, I'm curious to know more about Ducklaw Brewing that seems to be the lead on this one. Yeah, there's uh, there's some more from them at Lucy's. This was just one of the, the ones I grabbed. Yeah, it is the one I grabbed. Um, well, what a uh, what an interesting musical horrific week of beer in a movie. Uh, if you know, this probably isn't your first rodeo. If you've made it this far, you know that uh, 
our favorite part about this uh, program here is that the conversation doesn't end when the episode ends. Uh, continues on social media, and you can find all uh, you can find us on all of your favorite social media platforms: Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX, Beer and Movie Podcast.com is where you can find a beer map to see all the different beers we've had from different cities, states, countries, etc. Little collections of past episodes, like director focused ones, are all horror October episodes are Nick Cage focused episodes. They're all neatly packaged for you there. There's a link to merch, uh, or you can just go to tpublic.com slash user slash beer in a movie and you'll find uh, merch there. You can get shirts, sweaters, hoodies, mugs, stickers, all sorts of stuff over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, patreon.com slash beer in a movie podcast is where you can financially support the show to help us keep doing what it is that we do. Uh, $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week yeah and we talk about beer we talk about movies but we talk about a great many other things as well and of course you know the patreon people were the first to know about the merch you know uh, so you get some other benefits they help us program our all horror october uh screenings things like that so definitely a lot of good reason to be over there on the patreon and and if you're listening to this on apple podcast please rate review subscribe helped to manipulate that algorithm to put us in front of more uh, beer and movie loving listeners out there in the world uh and i think that that about wraps it up for this week until next time i'm not a screamer i'm a singer (laughs) 